everybody. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me. So I am Emily White, and my background is I have a bachelor's in social work. I'm a licensed social worker. I have over seven years now, going on eight years in the field. Um, before I came to Dayton Children's, I worked at a school with, for students who couldn't maintain in their home district, so they had behaviors that their school district couldn't, um, what's the word I'm looking for, couldn't support. Um, and a lot of them came from trauma or their family had trauma, so I worked with the child and the family in those types of situations. It was a really good way to enter into the field, so I take all that knowledge with me now in my current role. So I'm the Community Behavioral Health Outreach Coordinator. It's like a really long title. Basically, I'm the Honor Sleeves Lady. So um, I'll tell you about Honor Sleeves later, but um, if you do receive our emails, I write half of them. So that's me. And then I do presentations like this and go out in the community and make partnerships and just try to educate adults who work with children on um, having conversations with kids. And I also am a mom, so I like to point that out so that parents in the room are like, well, what do you know? So like, I'm in this with, with you guys. <laughs> okay, so think about how conversations with your child normally goes. This could be a child in your own home, could be the children you work with here at the church, grandchild, any child in your life. So think about it, and then we can raise hands or share out if you would like. Um, is it we can talk for hours about everything and everything's great? We can talk about some things, but then other things, not so much. Or does it normally end with door slamming and people storming off? <laughs> okay, and then how would you relate or rate your relationship with your child and why would you rate it that way? So we can just reflect on this. So pretty good, could be improved or not so good. So this is just kind of level set to think as we go into what we're going to talk about. Okay, now this is applic applicable to everybody. So reflect on the communication style in the home that you grew up in and how it compares to your communication style now in your home. So think about how you grew up and then how you run your household now. And then is it the same, almost the same, or different? So it could be, you know what, I grew up in a great, um, my house had great communication style. I don't want to say a great house. There are many great houses that maybe have poor communication because of lack of tools or techniques or past trauma. Um, so maybe you, your household, everything was great. Or maybe you're like, I'm going to break the cycle. I don't want that to be my family. Or maybe you're like, you know what, we were almost there. I'm going to improve on some things. So, okay, so I also have added this slide recently to our slide deck because, um, and I might need some help reading it. Because I, can I borrow that? So I can get it off. <laughs> um, I did a parent presentation at a local high school, and before I started, this mom came up to me and she kind of whispered, she was like, why are you here? And I was like, oh, like I'm doing a presentation from Dayton Children's, you know, and she's like, no, I know, but like, do, do we have a problem here? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, with mental health? And I was, it like dawned on me, I was like, oh, like she thought, you know, something had happened. And I was like, well, like kind of, but like the whole country is having an issue with mental health right now. So I decided to pull up the slide to show her the statistics. And she said, thank you so much for showing me that because I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one 
who is dealing with this. So I have made it a point to add this so that if you or someone you know is struggling, to know that you're not alone. So this is in, this, this is in children's, because I'm from Dayton Children's, um, not adults, but I'm sure it's very similar. We had a 163% increase in children hospitalized for mental health from 2020 to 2021. That's like astronomical. A 51% increase in emergency department visits for suicide attempts in adolescent girls from 2019 to 2021. Two-time increase in depression and anxiety symptoms in youth during the pandemic. 33% of high schoolers said they feel more unhappy or depressed than usual. 71% of parents said the pandemic has taken a toll on their children's mental health. So those are um, some national um, statistics. This last one is local. This is in Clark County. 17 to 19% of high school and middle school students made a plan to attempt suicide. So that's right here in our community. Clark County is not that far away. And I'm sure Montgomery County is probably very similar. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, so I know that was a lot of heavy stuff, but there is hope and that is um, that you can make a difference. And that's why Honor Sleeves exists because we're here to be preventative and try to help um, our youth before they get to crisis, um, to a crisis state. So our main tool is conversations and kind of like we talked about our communication style before, Honor Sleeves, which is my program, we focus on conversations and helping Parents, caregivers, teachers, adults have conversations with kids. And that's because we know that the most important relationship a child's gonna have is that with their parent or caregiver. So whoever is raising them in their home, that is their most important relationship. And just like the communication um, patterns that were modeled in your home growing up, you either had a really hard time breaking out of those or you continued those. It's the same way with that parent-child relationship. So as your child starts to grow and they make friendships, they have romantic relationships, they are gonna pattern that based off of the relationship that they had with their parent or caregiver. Not to say that if that was a negative relationship, they can't overcome that, but it is just more difficult. So if we want to raise um, mentally healthy kids, we wanna have a good relationship. Um, and that was that whole slide. Okay. And we also know that children who have conversations, they're better equipped to make friends um, and appropriately get their needs met. So I always tell people that behavior is a language. So if you think about a terrible two, right? My daughter just turned three, so I thought I was out of it, but three is worse. Um, <laughs> they throw a fit and they stomp their feet and they throw things because they are so frustrated. They're trying to tell you what they want, but they can't do it. Like um, my youngest was trying to say something. We can't understand the word she was saying. My older daughter tried to guess and my younger daughter just like screamed at her. And my daughter was like, why is she screaming at me? And I'm like, cause she is so frustrated. She's trying to tell you something and you don't know what she's saying. So we think that when our kids have words, right? They grow out of that, but they don't because they're still trying to learn that vocabulary for their feelings. So if they don't have the words to tell us how they feel, then they're gonna act out with their behaviors. So if we can give them the language they need to express themselves, then hopefully we'll see a decrease in those negative behaviors. And then we also know having conversations can um, help with their social skills, build the bonds with family, demonstrate empathy, and then build strong relationships.
Okay. I always go the wrong way. There we go. Okay, I'm just going to skim over this real quick because I think most of us are out of the infant and toddler stage, but I'll just highlight a few things. Um, it's weird to talk to, to babies, right? It's like, I'm talking to you, you're not, in tr you're not talking back, right? So it can be awkward, um, but it is super important because that is how they are learning language, first off. That's how they're knowing that you love them, right? And that they have a bond with you. Um, and that helps to build their vocabulary and an understanding of the world around them. So um, this is some things you can do. So when I had my first child, I took like a breastfeeding class and they were talking about how there's been studies done on babies and facial recognition. And they were finding that babies are recognizing the back of a mom's phone the same way that they're recognizing a mom's face. Because while the mom's breastfeeding, she's sitting there scrolling on her phone. I'm not shaming anybody. I've been there when you've had a rough day and you just need a moment to yourself. But it is just so important that you're taking that time when you're feeding your baby to be making that eye contact with them to get that bonding experience. Um, and even if you're not breastfeeding, you know, when you're bottle feeding or as they're older, we're talking about sitting around the table, having dinner together, just having that interaction time. Um, and then use facial expressions when you're talking so that they get like the connection between what you're saying. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about being intentional with one-on-one -on -one time and then using, you know, trying to get around some of this, these modern day barriers that we have. Um, so we are in the car a lot more. Hi, come on in. So we are in the car a lot oft more often. So how can we turn that into an opportunity to bond with our kids? You know, maybe we turn the radio off and we talk instead. Or um, So we'll talk a little bit about later, that later. Okay, so raise your hand if you think it's important to talk to your kids. Right? Cool. All right, dismissed. <laughs> no. Okay, so you're like, okay, but how do I do that? How do I get them to talk to me, right? I know it's important. I don't know how. That's why I'm here. So <clears throat> first we want to, here's how we can help them feel safe to talk to us. So we want to listen and not fix the problem. So how many of you have had a rough day and you've come home and you're telling your spouse all about your rough day and they just keep saying, well, why don't you do this? And why didn't you do this? And they just keep trying to fix the problem, right? And you just keep getting more mad because you don't want them to fix it. You just want them to listen, right? Well, our kids, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so our kids are the same way, right? Like, they don't want us to always fix their problems. They just want us to listen to them. That doesn't mean that later you can't circle back and try to, like, come up with a solution. But in that moment, they just want you to say, oh, that sounds really hard, right? So you can do this by repeating their feeling words and then help them identify that feeling. Um, embarrassment is really hard for kids to recognize. So if they are saying something happened and they're mad, you could say, wow, it sounds like you were really embarrassed that you were playing kickball in gym class and you missed the ball and everyone laughed at you. So you're trying to connect that situation to that feeling. And then model this yourself, and it's hilarious because the more that you do this and then your like, little kids pick up on it, it's so funny to like, hear them use the same words as you. But, so like, if you messed up dinner, you could say, mom is feeling frustrated right now because I messed up this dinner recipe. And it's also a good tool for yourself because it keeps you calm, right, instead of like, yelling and screaming. Um, but what you're doing is you're showing your, your kids that in this house, it's okay to talk about feelings. 
and that mom does it too. And so the more you do that, the more comfortable they'll be. And then um, you can use stories and movies to discuss feeling faces. Um, reading books is great, uh, but not everyone is able to do that. Not everybody likes to do that. So movies are good too. You know, you can use that opportunity to pause the movie and say, how do you think this character is feeling? Or the next day, you could say, what did you think about that movie? And what do you think the character was feeling when this happened? Um, and then playing feeling charades is a great thing to do as well. So you could even incorporate that with your programming here at the church. Um, playing charades in general is good. But feeling charades, you can um, write down feelings on a piece of paper. And what that does is the kid has to think about how someone might look if they were angry and then act it out. And then if they're the ones guessing, they have to be empathetic and kind of like judge someone's body language and guess how they're feeling. So that's a really good thing that you can do. Okay, so conversation stoppers. So these are all things that we have done and experienced before, okay? And this is what keeps the conversation from continuing. So number one, looking at your phone while having a conversation with your child. Who's done that? Yeah. <laughs> all right, what about the watches, right? You got the smart watches, you're talking to someone and they just keep looking at their watch, right? So, and we just do it without meaning to, but what we're, the message we're sending to our kids is whatever's on our phone is more important than you. So just be cognizant of that. And when it's time to have a conversation, put it where you can't even see it because we react to that vibration or the notification without even realizing, but they can see our eyes looking. Um, or, you know, there are times where we have to send a message. So you could say, you know, I really want to hear what you're saying, but I just need to finish this first so I can give you my full attention. Um, telling a child they shouldn't feel that way, they're just going to shut down, right? Telling a child they should stop crying because it's okay to feel sad, right? Telling a child to shake it off. This is hard because I'm a coach, so I'm like, mm, just shake it off, right? <laughs> um, and then asking yes or no questions, right? Because what are you going to get back? A yes or a no, right? <laughs> like, you're not going to get anything else, so... Um, does anyone have any other conversation stoppers that they've experienced in their life? Maybe like at the bank or with their spouse? We send them to their room. Yeah. That'll stop it. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you know, right, right, right. Sometimes you've got to enforce some discipline. Yes. Yes. Or so they can calm themselves down to be able to have the conversation. Okay. So here's what you're doing all the right things. Great job. <laughs> but I totally get it. And so first off, you're recognizing that all his needs aren't being aren't met, right? Like you recognize he's overtired. That doesn't mean like you're not meeting his needs, but you're recognizing like, okay, his physical needs aren't met, which is part of the meltdown, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so you're recognizing that, which is good. Um, and then letting him sit in the disappointment is good too because we also don't want to say, oh, everything's great, like just be happy because that's not, and then he's never going to learn how to deal with that negative emotion. Mm -hmm. um, something that I've done before with my kids when it's something small like that is I say, I understand that you're really upset right now. Let's set a three-minute timer. You can be upset for three minutes and then we're going to move on to something else. So that way you're still like validating his feelings and acknowledging it. But then you're like, okay, now it's time to move on. And then offer some like um, 
what's the word distractions like something that he enjoys doing like we're gonna move on and then maybe next time you can think through your dessert better or next time we're there you can get the dessert you want or something like that yes nice from sandwich and i also think what you could do also is like then revisit it like today Mm -hmm. when he's not upset and say hey i want to talk about what happened at the pool um you know, I understand you're upset. However, like this is not like socially appropriate behavior, right? Like it's not something that we should cry about in public as an ice cream sandwich. That's a lot different than like a friend being mean to them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And then say, what can we do in the future so that this doesn't happen again? Or what can you do when you're feeling upset to help yourself calm down and see if he has any ideas or strategies and then practice some of those when he's calm. Gotcha. Because yeah. if, in doing these strategies, it's just basically assumed that they will let, like the the emotion, they'll be their ability to handle it will just lessen over time. Assuming you take these approaches, or yes, okay, yes, and like you know, deep breathing, that kind of thing. That's not something you want to teach when they're upset. So if when he's upset, to say take a deep breath, he's gonna like it's not good yeah (laughs) like you take a deep breath it's like someone telling you to calm down when you're upset right that triggers you so you could um bring i would bring it up to him and say i'm noticing this is happening and i want to help you with this so we're going to practice some strategies for when you're upset and then practice them when he's calm and then the next time that happens um like with my kid someone like my seven-year-old i can't tell her to take a deep breath when she's upset she would lose it but if i sit down on the floor next to her and i start taking a deep breath she gets kind of mad at first but then she starts taking a deep breath too because she's matching me and i have also told my kids like i understand you're upset right now you need to go in your room and when you're calm you can come back out so that way you're like giving them that time to still feel but it's not like and they usually come back right away because they don't want to be by themselves. There we go. Okay. So here's how we can practice having conversations. So this will kind of tie in too with some of our comments that we've had. So we want to keep having conversations regularly as a team. So um, you can make it obvious. You can tell your child, I want to have a conversation with you about your meltdown at the pool. Or I feel like we're not having good communication. I would really like to work on that. Like, just make it obvious. It doesn't have to be a secret. Um, Use body language that reflects openness. So nodding and eye contact. As parents, when our kids tell us something concerning or as helpful adults, and if someone is in your group and is telling you something that's concerning to you, watch your body language. Because if you show that you're getting upset, they're going to shut down. So just try to stay open and calm, and then they'll continue to open up to you. Okay, so here's back to your point. So plan three tech-free meals a week or set a regular routine for regular conversations. So I think this is helpful too to everyone in the room who um, you might have parents asking you for advice or asking you how what they can do. Um, it is really hard in our society to have dinner together every night as a family. And a lot of families you might interact with, they may not all work a nine to five. They may work third shift, they might work second shift, they might work Um, be a trucker who works for three days straight and comes home on the fourth. So we have all different types of families um, now, and they can still make this work. So I challenge families to do three tech-free meals, okay? So my... What's that mean? (laughs) I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So my husband works a lot, 
a lot. So there are times that he misses dinner. My husband has breakfast every morning with my kids. I don't have, I don't, I do not wake up for breakfast, okay? But he wakes up and he has breakfast with the kids. So even though he's not at the dinner table, he's still finding that intentional time with our kids. Um, someone who works late, they could come home and have a bowl of ice cream with their kids if they miss dinner. So there are, there are ways you can do that. And then the tech-free thing is, you know, we all love to have movie nights with pizza. It's fun, but don't do it every night. So turn the TV off, gather up the phones if you have to, put them in a basket. It might be uncomfortable at first, but as you leave, you can get a pack of conversation starter cards. They're icebreaker questions that you can ask, and that can get you practicing. Um, and then look for opportunities to spend individual time together. So our kids, they aren't going to be able to differentiate if you spent 15 minutes or three hours with them, okay? Which I'm sure as a parent, you've spent all day with your kids and then you want time to yourself and they're like, why do you never spend time with me, right? So, <laughs> so even if you only have 15 minutes to spend with them doing an activity they like, it might not be an activity you like, right? An activity they like. Spend some time with them. Um, figure out ways to spend one-on-one -on -one time. If you have more than one kid, grab one kid to help you make dinner. Then the next night, pick the other kid, right? Like, ideally, you could take one kid to the grocery store and leave the rest at home, but not everyone has that second parent as a support. So there are ways that you can find individual time. Reading a kid their own book at night. I know, it's the worst, but <laughs> that is a way that you could spend individual time with them. Um, and then share how the conversation went afterwards. So if you have an older child, especially like a teenager, you could just say like, hey, like, you know, I want to have a better relationship. How are our conversations going? What can I do? What can I do better, right? Because I'm sure they'll be happy to tell you what you could do better. <laughs> And then relax and have fun getting to know each other better because when things are going well with our kids, it's so fun. Like, it's so fun to, like, see their little personalities come out. So just enjoy it. Okay, so thumbs up if you think this is a good response and thumbs down if you think it's not a good response. It sounds like you are feeling frustrated because you studied hard for your test and still did not receive a high grade. Yeah. So we labeled the feeling... Um, we, we didn't say, oh, you should have studied harder or you should do this next time. We just said, man, like, that sounds frustrating, right? Ugh, you will never understand how I feel. Why do I even try talking to you? <laughs> That's normally coming from the kid, hopefully. <laughs> Is that really why you upset? There are people out there that have it much worse. That was brave of you to share, thank you. You can always talk to me when you are feeling upset. Yeah, good. So we always wanna thank our kids for sharing because do you remember like when you had something difficult to tell your parent like how your heart raced and how nervous you were, right? So we always wanna tell them thank you. Stop crying, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's only an ice cream. Store. I know. <laughs> I, hey, I feel you. I know. I feel, I feel you on that one. Wow, I would have felt embarrassed, too, if that happened to me. Yeah. Thank you. That had to be hard to tell me, but you still did. All right, here's the best one ever. Ready? I hate you. You are the worst parent ever. <laughs> 
All right. Okay, so um, planting these seeds, right? That's what we're doing, we're planting seeds. Um, are not gonna make conversations always easy, but it will help us when these important topics come up. So I listed a few that might come up um, in the future, you know, like relationships, death of a family member, anxiety and depression, other mental health challenges. So it's not gonna mean that you have the blueprint or the playbook of how to handle these conversations, but if you have been practicing these skills with your child, then it will, you know, make it a little bit easier. You'll at least have the tools to do it. Okay, so here's a quick slide about social media just because it comes up so, so often. Um, which is a really tough topic. I'm not up here to tell you what age is appropriate to be on social media. That is for each parent to decide themselves. Um, we all know that there are a lot of risks to being on social media, but we also know that there are benefits that we have to acknowledge. Um, but here's how you can talk about that with your kids. So you wanna start with open-ended questions. So who do you follow and why? And how do you feel when people like or don't like your posts? Right, so that's an open question. And you're trying to gauge like how they're feeling about their social media use. And then learn from the expert. So your teen or your child or whoever, say like just sit down next to them, be like, be my tour guide, show me around TikTok, tell me how this works, like I, I would like to know, because they're gonna wanna show off. <laughs> and then ask them to show you their favorite video or influencer. Um, if you've heard of a TikTok, trend that's been dangerous or risky, ask them about it. Ask them if they've heard about it. Do they have any friends who's tried it? Uh, even if you've heard about it, like kind of act dumb and then see if they'll fill in the gaps for you. And then um, again, you want to keep that neutral tone and body language when they're sharing so that they'll keep sharing. So even if they tell us something really concerning, we wanna stay calm so they continue to tell us the information. And then we can circle back and say, you know, thank you so much for sharing. This sounds concerning to me and I would like to talk about it. Um, and then if you are in this stage of life, our website, we have a social media family agreement plan that you can print off and go over as a family. So that's available on our website. And I'll tell you how to access that yeah, at the end. On. You should also encourage them. You shouldn't just coach them when they said something that discourages you, but you should also really be excited when they share something that yes. you really like too. Yes, that's great. So Thank you. Coach them that in that direction. Yeah, keep the excitement like, wow, that is a really cool video you found, or wow, yeah. yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thanks. That was great. Yes, yes. But as they're showing it to you, that might be the time to be like, well, what is it you like about this influencer? And how do you feel when you watch, watch them? So that they're starting to open up. And then you can say, you know, I don't really like that. And on our social media plan, it has a place for you to put like people that you don't, the family agrees to not follow. Yes. And what type of values... So especially like I'm speaking in a church, so I feel like I'm free to, you know, what kind of values does our family have and do the people we're following match our, our, our value system? Yeah, you are the parent, <laughs> you get to decide, yes. <laughs> Okay, so if you've started having conversations with your children or the children in the church that you're working with and you're like, okay, we need some more help here. Like just having our conversations, I can tell that we need professional help. Um, it can be really hard to navigate the mental health system. So here's just some tips. 
Uh, a lot of pediatrician offices have integrated care now, so that means they have a behavioral health specialist in the pediatrician's office. So their office is inside the same building as the doctor. And that can be great because you're rolling out medical um, concerns first off. And then that behavioral health specialist um, usually meets for like five sessions and gives you tools. And then if you need more, they can refer you, but if not, then you're on your way. Um, a school building counselor is a good place to start. Please note that um, a lot of school counselors can't do therapy. They don't have the right license. Um, some do. So it just depends on the school. So you need to find that out. But they can usually provide referrals of where to go. Um, and then you can seek outpatient counseling. Um, a lot of work EAPs, so employee assistance programs, will also cover kids. So that's good to know. And then please, if your child's experiencing an urgent mental health crisis, bring them to the Behavioral Health Crisis Center at Dane Children's. So you can come through our emergency department and say you're there for a behavioral health crisis and they will um, be assessed to see if they need inpatient treatment. And then keep in mind that it's, um, it's not the child who has a problem that needs to be fixed, right? So if we're doing counseling, we all need to participate together. So the parent has to be involved too, because maybe there are just ways that you might be reacting or responding that could be tweaked to better help the child. So my program is designed to help parents to hopefully take some pressure off of our mental health system, if that makes sense. So my job is to educate adults so that hopefully less children will need to seek mental health services, if that makes sense. I don't think that it will harm a child to have mental health services if they have not experienced an adverse event. And also, there are children who have a mental health disorder not caused by an event, right? It's just like a health concern that they're born with. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? It does. <laughs> In an ideal world, that would be fantastic if everyone could receive that, that help. But the way that our system is, um, wait lists are like six months long to get in sometimes. Um, insurance won't, won't always cover if there's not a, like, so to get a diagnosis, something has to be impacting your daily life. So you're so anxious you can't go to school or you know you're not participating in the same activities you used to because of depression um, and then that's how insurance bills so that's where you get tricky so if you were to if someone were to show up with their child who's doesn't have I mean everyone has life challenges right but doesn't have anything significant going on I don't really think that services would be continued if that does that make sense yeah so it sounds like for kids more so it's it's not necessarily a wellness or preventative um, there isn't a ton of preventative things out there it's more of treating them if they have it so prevention is a very growing field but it looks like this so like my okay. program is in the prevention bucket um, a lot of schools have prevention programs embedded in them as well um, your child probably has social emotional learning taught to him during the school day. Does that sound familiar to you? So those are all parts of prevention. Um, and that's how that looks and that's how they're doing that with children. So they are learning those skills that they would possibly learn in therapy, but they're learning them 
as prevention so that when they are faced with the challenge, then they have that toolbox. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Thanks for the tough questions. <laughs> No, I, re I appreciate the discussion. Um, actually, that is why we are building a brand new building. I don't know if you've heard about our expansion. So we are building a brand new building um, when someone comes to Dayton Children's and if they are found to be qualifying for inpatient, which is they, you have to be an immediate risk of harm to yourself or others. Um, if they say that you are, and there is not a bed available, they try to find a place for you to go and they will send you there. But then sometimes there's no place to go either. So then you are boarded on a medical unit, um, just like a regular medical room and a therapist will come to you. It's not ideal, it's not best practice, it's not what we want to see. That's why we're building a new building and the new building will have inpatient, our day treatment program, which is like a step down. So they go there instead of school, they go there like all day, but they go home at night. And then outpatient um, will all be in one building. Yeah, but that's why we're building the new building <laughs> and investing in prevention. <laughs> okay, well, so I just wanna give you my commercial for on our sleeves. Okay, so raise your hand if you know about On Our Sleeves. Raise your hand if you know more than our billboards. Okay, <laughs> a few? Okay, cool, yay. Okay, so On Our Sleeves started at Nationwide Children's Hospital in 2018. So they came up with the idea and then they made it like a franchise if you think about it that way. And then we license with them. So we pay them a fee. Um, what that means is they give us content and we put that out and then we also create our own content because we want to make sure we're meeting the needs of our local community. Uh, and that's what I like to do. I like to create things that fit our needs here. So um, we are the only, us and Nationwide, we're the only um, ones in Ohio that have on our sleeves. And then there's three hospitals in Florida. It's very random, but that's just how it is. Um, so our main goal is to educate caregivers and adults who work with kids because as was pointed out, our kids are receiving this information in their schools, but I was never taught this in school until I went to college, obviously, <laughs> to become a social worker, but um, you know, we didn't, we didn't learn about mental health in school. And our kids are now, which is great, but a lot of times they're coming home to then talk to their parent and the parent might still have stigma, like we don't talk about that in this household, or that's our business, and you don't tell people about that. Um, or the parent is struggling with their own mental health, and they just don't have the tools, or the parent just wants to help, but they don't know what to do, right? So that's why, that's kind of the gap that On Our Sleeves is trying to fill. Um, and we do this through, we have materials for classrooms. So we have a whole classroom side. So if you are a teacher and you wanna to talk to me after, I can go over that. But we have a whole classroom outreach that we're doing. Um, presentations like this. So coming and talking to all of you. And so now you know what On Our Sleeves is and maybe you work at a, a business or you're involved in another community group and you want me to come talk to that community group or you really like our materials and now you're gonna use them at the church and then someone else at the church is gonna see, you know, it's gonna be a grassroots growth. Um, 
And I also I do this presentation for parents, and then as um, you saw, I also can do presentations for like staff. Um, so I went to Camp Shalom and I talked to their leaders there. Um, so I can do presentations for staff, and that looks a little bit different. All our materials are online and they're free. Um, so that QR code on your thing will take you to all of the guides we've ever put out, and you can download and print them off. Um, entirely for free. Here's an example of some. So um, while you are on the wait list, so this is this is why you wait for therapy. So if you, or if you know a child who's on a wait list, excuse me, and you know it's going to be a long wait, there's some materials to help them get through um, <clears throat> until they have their first appointment. Here's that family social media plan. Um, which I think would be helpful for all of you to know and have available here. I'm sure a lot of your families are struggling with this topic. Um, I've already had to tell my seven-year-old, if someone's recording you, you tell them that your mom says you're not allowed to go on the internet. <laughs> so, you know, you got to start it young, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then we send out two emails a month. So, and it's all on mental wellness topics. So when you sign up for our emails, I'm going to tell you all to sign up at the end. You get two emails a month from us with um, information, resources, blogs, um, and we're really intentional in what we're putting out. So everything we put out will have a purpose. So the last four blogs we put out were four easy ways to practice positive parenting, um, six steps for avoiding unwanted behavior. So those two are about parenting and some parenting um, tips you could use. Um, in May was our big mental health movement or mental health um, awareness month campaign. So we had supporting children's mental health year round and then get moving on mental fitness because our um, focus was on being mentally fit and how our health connects with our mental health. So, and then that's where you sign up. There's a QR code there. I would encourage everybody to sign up because even if you're not in this stage of life, you might know somebody or as leaders here in the church, you might have someone come up or be like, man, you really, your kids turned out really well. I really need some help. <laughs> you can say, well, I just read this great article from On Our Sleeves and I think it could really help you. Um, and then in the back is the conversation cards. So please take a pack and use them. So this is your homework because you guys come here once a week, right? You, everyone needs to take a pack of cards and use them, and then you have to share back with your group how it went, okay? And then if you um, have kids or you know a child, you can take our emotional empowerment coloring book in the back. And that's for, I know you have older kids, the back has like journaling stuff too. I tried to like span the whole, <laughs> the whole childhood spectrum, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so back to the stats that you have recently added, and I know this is pandemic specific or actually after pandemic, but mm -hmm. like, are there any other trends causing this? I mean, some of these are very alarming. So I'm just wondering, yeah. are there like other trends that are causing these upticks? Yeah, I mean, the social media, I think, is definitely having an impact. I don't, I know that there's been like talk about that um, and how that could be impacting specifically like females, um, but I haven't like seen or heard anything like concrete. Okay. Yeah. But I think like the combination of that and then the pandemic. Um, 
Yep. Well, and like think about if you were bullied in school, you could go home and you escaped it, right? But now our kids are being bullied at school and they're going home and it's following them because now it's on their social media, right? Like they can't ever get away from it. I think we could probably have an hour-long discussion about what, what else could be contributing. But, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. but I think that the good news is, so like Dayton Children's, we have student resiliency coordinators now, and they go into um, schools. I, so not every school in our area, but in a lot of the schools. And they um, are focusing on not like the tier three kids, so not the kids that are like, you know, about to be kicked out of school or really struggling, but you know, the, the child who maybe was doing fine and then maybe they're like, um, they had a loved one pass away and so now they're kind of struggling. And so they go in and they try to build that resiliency with the child and the family um, to kind of like help strengthen them so then you can avoid the crisis. So there is a lot of movement in our community to start some of those prevention so that we don't end up with numbers like this. Mm -hmm. yep, as well. So this was, I think, a perfect start to our parent speaker series. Um, if you have any feedback, please let me know or suggestions for any other future endeavors. But I want to just give you a big round of applause and thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this was great. All of, all of the takeaways and, and everything, the QR codes, everything. It was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs>